M&T Bank presents CEOs You Should Know. Powered by iHeartMedia. Let's meet Anthony Hales Jr. He is the founder and president of Bain LLC, a national consulting firm based in Washington, D.C. Before we find out more about Anthony's company, I first asked him to talk a little bit about himself, where he's from, and his origin story. So I'm from a place called Poplarville, Mississippi. And before you ask where it's at, they were about 70 miles northeast of uh, New Orleans, Louisiana, close to Gulfport, Mississippi, Hasbro, Mississippi, southern, southern part of the state. Um, went to high school there, and then I went to Jackson State University for undergraduate and George Mason in Northern Virginia for grad school. Couple of good schools. Yes, yes. No, really enjoy, really enjoy, uh, my, especially my undergrad experience. I always like to ask our leaders about uh, college because, you know, we're developing, we're growing, we're learning, and lots of mistakes are made. But what was your takeaway from college that you use in business today? Really, though, is when you go into a smaller school, um, HBCU, one of the things you really learn is sort of the hustle, grind, and get – well, figure things out. Let me let me say life, life experiences, right? Life, so, life experiences. Yes. Yeah, so that's that's something that sort of that work ethic that I learned at Jackson State that's carried me a long way in my adult life. Well, let's talk about uh, leaving school, and there's a lot to talk about when it comes to, of course, your business and uh, being LLC. But before we get to that, about your mission statement, your capabilities, and all the things that you offer your clients, tell me about work before that, and then we'll talk about the origin story about starting your own business. So my first first couple months out of school, I sold cars. Um, I worked uh, Gray Daniels. Um, I wasn't a great car salesman, um, but you know I, I made some great connections. The job from there, I went to Clear Channel Radio. Again, I was selling uh, radio advertising. A little too much freedom at 22 years old. Um, you know, it was it was one of my favorite jobs. We actually had a uh, we actually. Had, um, we were bringing big clients. We had open bar at work sometimes. So like, I've, now we're talking old school radio. I'm biased, but radio can be a lot of fun. Sounds like you had a little bit too much fun though, Anthony. Had a little too much fun, but, <laughs> but hey, again, I, I, it was my first like corporate job. So I learned it did give me the ropes. I did some, uh, campaign work from there and then came to BC. Uh, did a couple small gigs and I went to the federal government for nine years. Worked at the U.S. Department of Education. Um, um, my last job there, I was a data analyst on the Title IV team, so mostly student loan, economic impact studies, things like that. And from there, I launched the company 2014, did the dual role for about four years, and in 2018, I branched out full time around my own business. So, all right. I've well, been, well let, let's so. talk. Let's talk about that because I'm always fascinated about origin stories. So, you obviously had a, a lot of, of business acumen as you were going into your new role as president and founder of your company. But I'm always curious because there's a myriad of different reasons why people start their own business. Sometimes, you know, the job doesn't suit them. They want to be their own boss. Maybe they see a hole in the industry that you can fill up by doing your own business. So, tell me about the origin story about actually starting the business. So yeah, so before Bain, we were um, Health Credit Solutions or Health, Go- Health Government Solutions as our DBA. We, I originally started a company in 2014. I got married. Um, we were broke. I needed to figure out how to pay student loans and we wanted to buy a house. So I really started as something to just kind of make money um, on the side to help out with student loans. It's funny that first year, 
I made fifteen thousand dollars. And let me say, I worked harder that year than I've ever worked any time since. Like that first fifteen thousand was the hardest I ever worked. Tell me about the name of the company. What's the origin of that? So Bane. Bane is uh inspired from Batman the Dark Knight Rises. The villain is Bane. It's one of my favorite movies, one of my favorite villains. So Mine too. Uh, Mine too. I like that though, but it's spelled B A Y N, so yeah, I changed the name a bit, so no copyright. Uh, yeah, no, that's nice. I like that though. It's always listen. It's always fun to hear about company names because usually it befits somebody's personality, and it's an extension of them. And that's what you've done. It's one of your favorite movies, so I think that's a really cool idea. So before we talk about Bain LLC and all your capabilities and what you offer your clients, which I think is really cool because I know there are three core capabilities that are really important to you and your clients and all the work that you do with them, but what is the mission statement of the company? The, the mission statement of the company is helping our clients be more effective and efficient and doing it in a sustainable manner. All right, let's talk about those capabilities. I know there's many more than the three big capabilities, but maybe go into those a little bit for our listeners about exactly what you do offer your clients. So there's three primary, our three primary lines of business are market research, strategic communications, and professional development. Uh, most of our clients at this point are local and state government agencies. Um, we are doing work in the federal space, and so we have a, a few private sector clients. That's the majority of our work. So the biggest perspective I've seen on the market research is we're looking at the effectiveness of programs going from a high level to a grassroots, you're on the ground, really getting the understanding of what's the general feeling of a policy, a program that may be rolling out. Um, is it effective? Is it working? And what are some gaps? So just a couple of big projects we recently did. We looked at um, D.C.'s human rights laws um, and how it compared to other jurisdictions in the country that had comparable demographics to the district and looking at how the district approached things versus them. Um, we're now doing, uh, we're looking at the city's use of residency preference and hiring. Um, we've done research around like sick leave, safe leave, um, and teacher departures, communications wise. Again, how are we communicating? Is it effective? And how can we just be better at getting our message off? And a lot, because we deal with, a, let's say, a lot of government clients, a lot of our work on that aspect is just trying to get them into the new age of communication. Um, breaking away from some of the traditional silos and expanding it where there's a, there's a mix of like, well, hey, we are still dealing, dealing with the traditional, the radio, the newspapers, the televisions, but now looking at podcasting, LinkedIn, social, doing a better job of telling our story. Um, and finally on professional space, we do a lot of like workforce development, everything from soft skills to very technical training. Well, that makes a lot of sense, and thank you for sharing all that, Anthony. I did want to ask you about pre-COVID and then afterwards. We've talked to a lot of business leaders out there, presidents, CEOs, about pre-COVID and things they had to do to pivot to take their company where it was today. But I'm curious. You talked about your capabilities. After COVID and what it's done to us business-wise, you obviously survived, and you're really getting going before COVID. Did your clients' needs change after COVID? And I'm curious about the business model and how it worked after we got through everything with your clients. Yes. So, you know, pre-COVID, um, we, we've actually we've doubled in size, almost tripled in size since um, the COVID-19 pandemic. And, and I mentioned there was about a two-month slowdown um, at the beginning of COVID. And then things kind of took off. 
And what it did was it forced people to adapt in the way that they were operating and doing business. Now, one of the good things for us is one of the things that was very interesting is in tw- October 2019, we moved out of our office space. You know, since we're small, like I said, we're a smaller team. It's only four people. It's going to be five. We was like, hey, let's test this just working remote. We had, we picked a new lease. We were going to move to another building, but our office space going to be ready until May. So we decided, hey, we can just all work remote um, from home for a couple months and just collaborate. And so we were 100% remote in October. So when February and March hit and the world sort of went remote, we were five to six months there. So we hired people, brought people on, onboarded. Um, though all of that, we were able to operate remotely because we already had some of the infrastructure in place. And then again, like some of the stuff improved, like the quality of Zoom, Google, a lot of people improved their products during the pandemic. So we were able to take advantage of that and, and kind of, um, we were able to take advantage of that and kind of implement some of the things we were doing to help with our clients. Anthony, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about leadership, and I think you and I can both agree that whether it's five people or 5,000 people, being a leader, having proper communication, dividing and conquer, making people sure that, that are on your staff are leading with your vision, making sure what they do, also that they're happy, compliant, and have a good work-life balance. So with a smaller business, whether you have five employees, you've got that fifth person coming on, what's it like with a smaller business like this with communication, your leadership, your vision, to make sure everybody does what they need to do, but also has a good work-life balance in a smaller company like yours? I just think it's easier when you have a smaller team because at this point, I know everyone pretty personally. I We've had time to connect and not only understand them, their family, kind of their, their needs, their personality and communication style. So at this point, it's actually been pretty easy on that aspect of like, hey, um, just ensuring, and you can kind of tell changing the people's disposition, hey, is everything okay? Um, some of the things we do, like most of our clients are like out of office. You know, dealing with the government come around mid-December. So sometimes we just shut down for like three, four weeks. I just say, hey, look, no one's really in the office. Um, you know, just take time off. If there's for some reason that we need to come back before this, I'll reach out. Um, and we can just, you know, find and reconvene. But like sometimes we just, we, we would shut down for like a three, four weeks to just give people time. Um, and it's not counting against your, you know, your, 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 um, leave. Um, that we also offer mental health counseling um, and just access. And then things now we've been trying to do is now that the pandemic subsiding, we're getting back in person. We did our first company retreat since pandemic this year. Um, so I'm hoping that we can build on that and, you know, go off sometime beginning of the year, just kind of sit down, relax, talk, celebrate. Very nice. Thank you for sharing all that. I did want to ask you about competition. I don't, I don't want to presume that there's a business exactly like yours, but there's got to be others that do things that you do. And I was curious when you talk to clients, whether you're pitching yourself or somebody calls upon you and say, maybe we like to work with each other. How do you differentiate yourself from possible competition out there? So in certain things, right? One of the things that's helped us, particularly in the district is, uh, we've made ourselves experts in the district. So if you're doing a research pro- a research project in DC, we built relationships and ecosystems where we're able to give you a perspective and reach 
communities that others aren't able to reach. So that's helped us a lot in sort of the research and communications. I think on the other side, it's been flexible. So one of the things in the professional development um, side is a lot of training companies just are um, – our staff, so the HR staff, we tend to trend younger some. Um, we've been able to just be more flexible and sort of build things on the go. And that's one of the good things about also being a smaller firm is you're flexible. And sometimes we're able to build things as, as we go. I say sort of expertise, depth of knowledge in the particular subject area that gives you a niche. And also the ability to sort of be flexible and divide. And so one of the things is I remember when I was um, – in one of my business classes, one of the things they really focused on was that you could have, you could offer either a few services to a lot of clients or a lot of services to a few clients. If you try to offer a lot of services to a lot of different clients, that's the quickest way to lose. Right. So you could take either one of those models. So at this point, we've, um, we, we've been at the point where we're offering a few services to a decent amount of clients. They can kind of bridge the middle. So we're not necessarily one. We have like three, um, but our client base is very focused. And even though they may vary, they're right now, they've pretty much been in the same sector. Um, as we look to grow, that's something we'll have to kind of figure out the right balance of that. Well, that makes a lot of sense. And you might not have 10 billion capabilities, but the ones you do, you really own. And you know them yes. implicitly, and I think your clients know that, so that makes a lot of sense. And that's great advice for any budding CEOs and leaders out there about making sure that you don't overextend yourself with all the things that you offer and really own what you do offer everybody, and I think that will be appreciated by your clients. I did want to talk to you and just take a little diversion from Bain LLC and talk about philanthropic charity work, whether it's with a company or what you like to do personally with your family, but what do you like to be a part of right now? So well, I like to do a lot of stuff back in my hometown in Mississippi. I'm from one of the small towns that often gets forgotten. So there's a couple of things we do. We do an annual back-to-school giveaway where we go give out backpacks, school supplies, um, clothes as the kids going back to school. Um, we do Christmas giveaways. Last year we did a diaper a diaper drive um, giveaway. Um, this year we're going to do some shopping sprees for a couple of kids there. Um, disadvantaged kids as well. I back to school, and uh, we do a, I'm sorry, we do a large Thanksgiving turkey giveaway, um, back in my hometown. Those are kind of our, our biggest things. So our, our back to school, um, event we hope to make bigger this year. Um, so that's one of like my, one of my favorite times. It's a good chance to get back and, and see the kids in the neighborhood that I grew up in and help them with that. Well, I appreciate you sharing that. I, there's a common theme with a lot of our leaders out there that they, they either like to give back to their school or they like to give back to their old community where they grew up and, you know, where it might have been tough for you, but you're trying to make it a little bit easier for the next generation coming up. So I think that's very cool, Anthony. As we wrap up our conversation and put a bow on everything, I'd like to ask you about uh, Bain LLC and a takeaway for our listeners. If there's one thing that you want to let maybe a prospective client that's listening right now know about the company, what would it be? Hey, we're dedicated. Uh, we're dedicated to problem solving. We're dedicated to getting it right. Um, we're dedicated to your growth. So, you know, one of the things our, we like to approach everything as sort of a partnership collaborative effort. So from everything, we're always looking at, hey, how can we take this in advantage that helps you not only just the company, but also the, the leaders that hire us. Um, so in particular, it helps us, like just reaching. So particularly you're dealing with the government, 
if there is a leader who brings us in for a project and we do this project in a way that helps them elevate their status and gets them a new position, they're more likely, they're more likely to bring us with them. And a lot of that has been how we've actually grown. Um, whereas in we had a client work on the project, a person from the office got a promotion to another office and they brought us with them to their new job, their new agency. And so one of the things is like a partnership, like how can we help you? Um, and that's something that we're always looking to do. I think you also probably stress too as a small business and you just hired your fifth person that they're going to get extra special attention. We're a small business and it's not going to be somebody new every time you're talking to. You're talking to the same person and that extra attention must go a long way with your clients, which makes a lot of sense and that's very cool. Well, listen, before we let you go, I know you just said you're, you're bringing on your fifth person, but is there any hiring in the future? Are there career opportunities? And can you also get the website if people want to find out more about your business? Yes, we're also we're always looking to communications and research people. Um, also facilitators. Um, we we're always looking for new facilitators for in particular in training. So if they want to find us, you can find us at thebangcorporation.com. So T H E B A Y N E corporation.com. Um, and you can also just Google Bain LLC, and I'm sure we'll pop up in your in your, your news feed as well. So. Outstanding. Hey, Anthony, this has been a pleasure to uh, get to know you a little bit and talk with you, and uh, I'm sure a lot of people that are either budding CEOs or other leaders out there have also enjoyed because one of the things that I think that we always love to meet people like you, uh, not only African-American, running his own business, working in the district, but a lot of success with a lot of hard work and passion with you and your team and what you do. So could be more proud of you and your team. I think there's a lot of growth in your future, and it sounds like you got something very special going on there at Bain LLC. So thank you so much for joining us on CEOs You Should Know and continued success. We really appreciate your time. No, thank you. Our community partner, M&T Bank, supports CEOs You Should Know as part of their ongoing commitment to building strong communities. And that starts by backing the businesses within them. As a bank for communities, M&T believes in dedicating time, talent, and resources to help local businesses thrive. Because when businesses succeed, our communities succeed.